Hello and welcome back to the Holtcast. It's time to look at Aston Villa's massive 1-0 win over Arsenal, as well as look at their upcoming final day fixture against West Ham United. Well, well, ladies and gentlemen, you wouldn't bet against us, would you? Welcome back to the Holtcast for Aston Villa 1. Arsenal nil. I still can't believe it. We've rushed right into this podcast because we're uh, beaming with a little bit of positivity and a whole lot of uh, hesitancy right there. If that's even a word, I don't know. I'm too excited. Of course, it's me, Cole Petum here. I am not alone. Danny Raza, how you doing? I'm all right. You know, I'm I'm doing I'm doing well. I was a little bit shaky. Um, I was very shaky actually because Villa don't defend leads out like that. And uh, here I am now with a cup of Pakistani tea trying to calm myself down because I'm on an adrenaline high uh, and I know that a lot of the Hulk cast listeners like to hear me talk sheer honesty um, but unfortunately I don't know if I'm going to be able to bring you very much negativity today it's not going to be a lot of criticism I'm, 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 I'm very happy what about you Cole? I, um, I, I'm not uh, as maybe as happy as our next guest here, but I am pretty darn happy. I was standing up for the last 10 minutes of that game, just racking my brains, probably in an upward fetal position, just hoping for the best. But of course, like I said, <laughs> there is a third guest. It's everyone's favorite Irishman. It's the shirt swinging man himself, Neil Dunworth. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing absolutely fantastic. I am doing fantastic. What a win. Um, it's uh, it, it, it's just unadulterated passion, passionate bridal joy at that. No one gave us a chance. Uh, they laughed, at, literally, they laughed at, at Jack Grealish. They laughed at, at Villa's plight beforehand on Sky Sports. Michael Richards was there. I actually thought he spoke pretty well overall on, on, on a lot of the things he said. But he mentioned that the last time he was uh, that Villa were in a relegation battle, they weren't very good. And the whole studio were laughing at Villa for 35, 40 seconds afterwards and, and taking jabs at them. I just love to see this. When we're not expected to do something, we go away and we do it. These are the times that you really need to rejoice in being a Villa fan. It's too far, far and few and far between, should I say. But my God, does it feel good today to be going into the last day of the season and to have a genuine shot at finishing exactly where I thought we would finish, 17th in the Premier League. It's going to be fantastic. I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to Sunday. <laughs> Mystic Neil in his glory. <laughs> well, guys, he's taken out. That's what he's taken out of this season. That's what <laughs> 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 expected. <laughs> we were never set up to finish to finish much higher than seventeenth this year, and I think that I, I suppose I, I, on a tangent for that, and that's really kind of why I've always been behind Dean Smith throughout the course of the year this year because I I genuinely don't think that. Uh, look, the, we, we've been up and down. Our form has been up and down, but our, we, we've had so much kind of uh, adversity thrown at us this year between technological issues, uh, VAR, some things that went for us, mostly things went against us, injuries to our £20 million striker, injuries to our goalkeeper, potential England number one goalkeeper, uh, injuries to John McGinn, albeit that he didn't miss too many games out. Uh, we played five games without a striker this year. That wasn't particularly Dean Smith's fault. That was a recruitment issue we bring in a striker then later on in the year who's very mobile but doesn't get goals he's had an awful lot to kind of on his plate that's it's not he's doing um along with 
you know, just some calamitous mistakes that the team have made. And yes, you can maybe say that uh, Dean Smith should be should be uh, a bit better for those. But for me, I think he's dealt very admirably with all the the, the crap that's been put in his plate this year. And, and, and for me, I always thought that anywhere between probably 17th and 14th was as good as we could hope for this year. And it was positivity to build some stability within the league. And, and today is our first step again. Well, it's it's our semi-final. And we've got our, our basically we've got our playoff final uh, next Sunday against West Ham. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Guys, before we get into this as well, right? Like, are, are we in agreement? I mean, I, I shouldn't I shouldn't assume for you guys, but, you know, brilliantly breaking down you know the the the, the causes of of, of where Villa, of, of why Villa are where they are Neil um are we are we Dean Smith in uh, just just before we just before it kind of gets like buried in the podcast conversation are we are we Dean Smith in regardless of what happens at this point I I am uh and and re- reason I am is because I I, I don't think he's been like you, you can criticize substitutions Jesus we since the first ever Villa game I ever watched people have criticised substitutions I think every team criticises their manager's substitutions hell Jose Mourinho gets criticised for his substitutions um, if that's all you really got in Dean Smith and the fact that I saw, I saw a ridiculous Twitter argument to say that the reason that he wasn't up to it was because he changed his formation four times throughout the course of the year and that's a reason why he wasn't trying to get it right. And that's, that's the reason crap. why he wasn't adapting to injuries and to players he did have and didn't have. For me, that that's was mind boggling. For, for me, I think it's I, I I think I think I would stick with if we stay up, I think we stick with him. Hell, if we need to get rid of him halfway during the season, that's a different conversation. But I think he would have earned a chance to stay to to um to stay with the team. If we go down, I certainly think we should keep him because um the, the club needs stability. We're like every media outlet has been basically uh, wagging the finger and saying to Watford, I don't know what you're doing. And, and, and I know why we're not four managers a season uh, like Watford at the moment, but you need some stability. You just need it. And, and, and I, I like Dean Smith. I like, I like the tactics he plays when he gets it right. I like what we've played since we've came back from the break. And yeah, I'm, I'm definitely Dean Smith in. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, I think if I look at it briefly, like, how can you not be Dean Smith in at this point, especially like Neil couldn't be more accurate if you all you have to do is complain about substitutions like you like unless you're winning a game, there's always going to be complaints about it. And even then, there's still going to be a few moaners and groaners there like football is an imperfect game. Not everyone's going to have the same input the same thought process, whatever it may be. It's just one of those things when you look at it, he's done the job that he's assigned to do. And if he keeps Aston Villa up, it's a job well done, in my opinion. Did we want it to go down this dramatically? Of course not. We wanted this well and clear. We've been unlucky with so many things. Some obviously the transfer things didn't go our way. It's just there's a lot of different ways you can look at this. But no matter what happens, we stay up. Or we go down. It has to be Dean Smith. You can look at Sean Dyche. He got the opportunity to stick with Burnley and got them right back up. And look what they're mm-hmm. doing right now. They're fighting for arguably our uh, Europa League spot. So you have to kind of applaud that as well. And to kind of go on to the Watford thing, there's a perfect example of when to stick with a manager and when not to. And I think Villa are the good example in Watford today. Just got absolutely smashed. And you could 
see there was no ideas there it was just damage limitations from minute one and yeah it just it would never really worked for them today but danny let's get right on to the main talking point here because it's that man trezeguet again we talk crap about him quite a bit throughout this season but once again he's proven us wrong mahmoud my guy mahmoud <laughs> rolling back the sands of time taking us back to euro 98 trezeguet's on fire again um First of all, I don't know what you're talking about, Cole. I never once criticized Trezeguet in my entire life. Uh, okay. Oh, Jesus. I'll pull up some <laughs> old clips, why don't you? Like two weeks no. ago, probably. No, no, no. You know what? You know what? Can I, can I say, right, with, with, with Mamou Trezeguet? He's been, he's, been, he's been really good, um, I think, for the last last few weeks since um, Stockdown. I mean, yeah, I think the, the criticisms with him are always that, you know, perhaps he doesn't create as much as uh, as he's supposed to. He doesn't really uh grab a hold of the game as much as you'd like him to but he's been there on important in case on a in, in important occasions for villa so often in the last few weeks if you if you ask me who scored the most important goals for villa you know especially this season trezeguet's been that guy he has been that guy he did it against leicester did it against crystal palace and now he's done it against mm-hmm. arsenal as well and, what's that sorry he scored against Wolves as well. I know we didn't end up winning that game, but yeah, it gave us a yeah. glimmer of hope. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it was still an important, still an important goal, I'd say, in 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 the scheme. He might of keep us up, considering we got goal difference. <laughs> he might, he might, he might. And you know, considering that Villa have been criticised for for not scoring enough goals, the fact that he's pulling them out uh, and and he's getting in finish finishing positions, like you could put Trezeguet up front, right, and he could be like a goal poacher, right? I mean, an early two thousands goal poacher. That's <laughs> that, that, that's kind of where you could see him. But yeah, it was a sweet strike, sweet strike. But once again, Arsenal just you know you got to take advantage of their poor defence because you know they, they top loaded, they top loaded today with Lacazette, Aubameyang, and um, Saka, and and uh, who who was the other guy out wide, and Ketia, They top loaded, and we know that Arsenal's defence has hiccups, and 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 that corner was was just great example of it, and it's a great ball from Conor Haran too. Yeah, I think when you look it at it, yeah, like when you look at it. It's initially when you look at Arsenal's lineup, it's maybe a little bit of fear. But of course, they're coming off a big win on Saturday. Like that's a quick turnaround time. And for the likes of Aubameyang, Lacazette to play so quickly in a game that maybe doesn't mean as much to them as obviously it does to us. That's a huge thing. Like like Danny said, completely top heavy. I thought we bossed the midfield for a good majority of the game by far. Uh I had no complaints with the midfield there. I kind of want to come on to one thing, and I don't want to be negative here, but Neil, I'll come to you next. Samata, how did you rate him today? Because once again, it was a little bit of a topsy-turvy performance by him. Yeah, it was. Uh, well, he didn't get his shots on target. He didn't He didn't kind of affect the game in an attacking way. And I found it very interesting because it was almost as if he was given the, he was given the instruction to not press or pressure david louise too much and to allow david louise to try and try and do what he does and bring the ball out of out of, def, out of defense um and it happened and he did he, he kind of played forward with the ball an awful lot uh did louise and i think i think samada was probably told let him have it let him make his mistake now personally it took me till about maybe the the, the 30th minute to be okay with that i was screaming at the team going uh, at the tv <laughs> going press him press him he does a mistake in him but he's been pretty good the last couple of games and and i didn't think he played excellently for a finish david louise because i thought what what villa tried to do or maybe it was 
maybe it wasn't by design or maybe it was, I don't know. But what what it seemed like they tried to do is they tried to put the creativity aspect on him and let him overforce it and maybe not allow the the the, the fluid kind of um, pipeline of, of passes come through to the to to the front three. As you said, they they did overload their attack. They tried to just basically outscore us. That's what they wanted to do. Um and overrun us. Uh, with Aubameyang and Lacazette and Nketiah there and, and, and Saka and, and, and so on, as you mentioned. But, uh, and Sebaeus as well there, uh, is, he's just a great player. But what we did is we, we we kind of more or less forced David Luiz to be the creator at the back. And, and, and he just wasn't able to do it. He wasn't able to pick out that long ball. He was playing it into midfield and we were forcing him to go wide. And we were we were solid when they were crossing the ball in. But to get back to your, your piece in Samata... I don't think he's going to be a goal scorer. I think I don't think I'm going to get any medals for saying that either. <laughs> Not another one um, of these guys. <laughs> yeah, he's he, we are going to strengthen in that area and, and and there are, you know, there are rumblings at the moment that maybe he could be off to Turkey at the end of the year. I don't know why all our players seem to be targeted in Turkey at the moment, but uh Tonight he did what he needed to do. It wasn't a striker's performance, but I think it was a team player's performance, if that makes sense. And and, and he, he, he seemed to seemed to kind of be very responsible for making a solid true passing straight through the middle of our midfield. So I give him yeah, that he, much. He, he picked out he picked out the wingers really well today, I thought. I think, you know, you gotta remember that um it's it's quite funny because it almost seems as though whoever we've got up front is is almost playing it as as a bit of a false nine, despite not traditionally yes. kind of Having that kind of, you know, um, having that kind of build or that kind of reputation as a as an attacking midfielder. You look at Davis, you look at Wesley, you look at Samata. Uh, I think Wesley and Davis most, you know, more so. But they've always kind of dropped back a little bit and then kind of gone right. Let me see who's the best option out left or let me see who's the best option out out right. And I think Samata as well. He doesn't tend to get in behind, does he? Unless unless he knows there's a ball coming and he doesn't tend to get in behind. I mean, there was. Mm times where there was nobody in the box and I'm not sure whether that's a good thing always but um yeah I don't think he I don't think he was terrible I think I think people people get get a bit anxious right last 30 minutes or so in a game Villa tend to lose their hold on it so everybody's kind of saying get yeah. Keenan on get Davis on and it's a fair point that's why Dean Smith makes that substitution uh but you know it's you got different strikers for different jobs during the game um, and I think personally, if you if you want to if if you want to talk about having the ball a little bit and playing a little bit more, having a bit more creativity, so Matt is your guy. Yeah, I didn't really have any issues with him. Like, of course, not getting a shot on target or scoring is a, a massive negative for any striker, of course. But he did the simple things right. There was instances where he had a uh, was essentially forced out wide and was able to obtain a corner from that. So, like, I'm happy with that and kind of on the overall performance in general, like. Our shape was good. We never looked under real duress. We dealt with everything. We took our time on the ball when it was needed. And I can think of probably like a feels like a million different examples of where we probably should have held on to the ball for another second and we would just rush it away in other games. And this one, we just took our time and kind of expressed ourselves and did our own thing. And it's so nice to see. And it's hard to really read into a lot of things when you're in a relegation battle because typically for relegation um, bound teams or teams obviously fighting in that area, they tend to pick up their performances around the end of the year because they realize what's going on for some odd reason. It takes that long, Mm. but (laughs) I just hope going forward, this is a sign of things to come and hopefully depending on what goes on after 
well, going into the transfer window, window into next season. Long may it continue. You know what, as well, I think that this was an example of Villa actually playing the team. And there's yeah. been so many times this season where that hasn't happened or when Villa have bit up and, 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 and Dean Smith has just kind of kept the same team going without making the substitutions or, you know, editing anything that's going on or telling Villa to drop back. But I think today, the big thing for me, if you ask me the reason why Villa won the game, it's after Villa score, Dean Smith says, go 4-1-4-1, Grealish, Trezeguet, you're marking the wingers uh, or the wingbacks, you're taking them out of the game suddenly Arsenal have no space. That, for me, was the big change. But it wasn't that he said to the whole yes. team, sit back. He didn't say to the team, sit back. Gilbert, you carry on doing what you're doing. Target, you keep on doing what you're doing. Jack, Trezeguet, just just, just watch your wingbacks. That was it. Big, big that was That was really interesting because, uh, and Sky Sports guys actually picked up on it as well, he pushed John McGinn into a more forward position and actually kept Jack on the wing. Which was which was really interesting because obviously you'd think yeah Jack goes goes a small bit more forward but Jack was doing Jack did a very very good job defensively on the wing today and I know that we're all we've always been saying about get the ball to Jack he's our only chance of staying up and all this kind of stuff but fair play to him you know he did his defensive duties today it was interesting to see him after the game and I 100 percent agree <laughs> with you the four one four one when he said after the game he hasn't felt fit. Today he looked fit. Today he was running with power and purpose through the middle of midfield. He wasn't kind of gliding, waiting for people Jack. to kind of overlap him. Yeah, Jack. that's how he played well. That Grealish, yeah, yeah. He, uh, not once did he run into a defender. And I mean, sorry, not once did he run into three defenders like he has done like in the last few games. He actually picked out the passes he needed to when he when he had to. And so it's interesting what you pick out about John McGinn as well because yeah, he was very far forward, but he was almost playing like a horizontal box to box role. Wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the opposite of a box-to-box midfield. He was running left and right, basically covering the line, trying to kind of frustrate Arsenal from making their passes because, I mean, that's all they were doing, passing it around the, along the back. That, that's the McGinn we've been missing. Like, that is a, to a T, a McGinn performance. Struggling to get off the removed off the ball, going down for fouls, of course, and just providing that crucial support and even creating his own opportunities. He had a good opportunity to put the second one away. Uh, but <laughs> I think we need to come to this one next, guys. Keenan Davis. <laughs> oh, so close. I think the man's cursed. I don't know if he's ever going to score. Uh, Grealish sets him up. Nice little through ball. And it literally within inches of the post, he just misses to make that 2-0. And Neil, I'll come to you first. When that doesn't go in, how does that one make you feel? Does it make you feel like it's Everton all over again? Yeah, especially when they go down the other end and and the ball ricochets off off the post and comes back to to Reina. But I actually thought that was all the way in. Uh, When he took the shot, I thought it was in. I jumped up and I I almost celebrated. Uh, As I told (laughs) you guys beforehand... Um, I at halftime I had to take a kind of a I had to take a, a potential business uh, opportunity call, um, and it was on Zoom and it was with somebody in the states, and uh, the it went on until maybe about the tenth or fifteenth minute of the second half. It was actually probably about the twentieth minute of the second half, and um, I actually kept that lady on the call with me on the Zoom call and shared my screen and said, you're being a good luck charm. They haven't really attacked that much. Will you watch the rest of the game with me? And she <laughs> stayed on and watched it with me from the States. But uh, Keenan Davis, yeah, that I thought that was in. And I started uh, I started celebrating like mad. 
and then I had to realize that it went wide and she couldn't understand why I was celebrating. But um, yeah, uh, he's I, I, he's hold up play is fantastic. I would have loved to have seen that go in, uh, go in today. But uh, his time will come. Maybe not with Villa, but his time will come. I think he's he's got decent potential. Um, you know, as a striker, and I know everybody's saying like he still hasn't scored in the Premier League, and the last time he scored was 2017 or something like that, or 2018. But uh. Yeah, I like the guy, I like his hustle, and uh, as I say, he's been a pivotal part in, if, if he's a pivotal part on Sunday and us staying up, and hell, he could get the goal that could keep us up, you know, can he's I, uh, he's my guy. Can I just say as well, right, usually for a team, the way that they play, like, you kind of think about a striker, and you think, you know, they should be scoring a goal every other game. I don't think we really tend, to, I, don't, I don't know if, if other fans are reacting to it like this, but... I almost just don't tend to notice that he doesn't score. I I just kind of think that he does so much. Yeah. He does. He, I mean, he plays. He, he plays such good football at times that I just kind of I don't notice it. But I suppose our goals need to come from somewhere, don't they? And traditionally, it should be a striker, I guess. Yeah, like if he if he was ever to win an award, it would be like best supporting actor or something like that. Like he's not gonna get the yeah. the the Emmy or whatever you want to call it, the Golden Globe. He's gonna get that supporting role, and he's. This is a weird comparison, and Neil can probably shame me for this because it is an Irishman, but he kind of reminds me a lot of Shane Long. Shane Long doesn't score a lot of goals, but he does a hell of a lot on the pitch to support someone like Danny Ings and kind of frees Ings up in that sense to allow him to have more opportunities. And I'm so curious if we could potentially get Davis into a formation that would support that. I'm so curious what would happen if we had a different striker alongside him, because I think that could lead to something really good or at least half decent. But nonetheless, guys, we'll we'll kind of tie this into West Ham soon, but uh, we'll wrap it up okay. here on this part by saying who's your man of the match. And Danny, go ahead. Actually, you have something to say. Yeah, Cole, I was just going to say just be- just before we go to the man of the match, because I'm sure this guy's not going to not going to win it. I just. I just want to pick up on it because I, th- I thought it was important because it's a big thing. Um, El Mohamedi gets injured and mm-hmm. Freddie Gilbert comes on. He hasn't played a game since March um, and he's expected to jump in and help Villa hold this. I think I think we're already 1-0 up at this point. I can't remember. Um, somebody can maybe ch- check that. But, Checking. Uh, it, but uh, Gilbert is expected to come on and, you know, help Villa get very very important points against a very informed Arsenal side. Do you think he stepped up to the plate? Because personally, like, I mean, he was one of our best players on the pitch. That that tackle that he made late on as well, uh, that 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 um, went out for a corner, uh, went out for a goal kick was was brilliant. But yeah, he's. I, th- I thought he did an amazing job stepping in right into the mix. Yeah, so he came on two minutes before uh, Trezeguet scored. So he came right. on the 25th, Trezeguet scored in the 27th. But no, you're right. Like, he didn't miss a beat. That was my biggest concern um, at that point in the match. I'm thinking he hasn't played in a while. Could this just be a game that's not for him? But it looks like he just hasn't missed a step. And thank God. It's nice to see that we actually, like, have some fullbacks that I have faith in. I can't remember the last time I could honestly say that. Eric Lehigh, favorite fullback of all time. <laughs> Oh, journeyman Eric Lehigh. Uh, Alan Wright is the best fullback of all time. <laughs> Fair enough. It's a good show. I don't know he's not. Actually, Paddy, the co-host of our old podcast, would shoot me for this, if I didn't say that Steve Staunton wasn't the best fullback of all time. Oh, <laughs> no, it's Alan Hutton. Come on, guys. Alan, Alan Hutton. Hutton is, uh, <laughs> yeah, for that goal alone. But Steve Staunton scored from a corner, lest we forget. 
<laughs> Alan Hutton scored against Blues and went through their whole team. That's it. Yeah, no, we didn't. We didn't. Best. We traditionally over the last like couple of decades haven't done well with fullbacks at all, have we? I mean, I know we had like a Marvy who was decent for a bit and Kyle Walker on loan one season, but you know we had to fight through a few Phil Bardsleys and stuff. Um, oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> Luke, 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 Luke Young was pretty decent. I, I like I like Luke Young. He was good. But um, do you know what? Do you know what though? Let me just say right. I I do believe. Gilbert is probably as good as any of the ones that we've had in the last 20 years. So, and that's... the gas thing about it is, El Mohamedi is better. <laughs> He's great. I love El Mohamedi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm disappointed to see him go off. I hope that injury isn't too big because we will need, like, you even look at our bench tonight. El Ghazi didn't get on, um, which is fine by me, not because of any <laughs> massive dislike for him. It's just it wasn't a game for him. But, like, defensively, we don't have those options. So, like, uh, we had Kanza on the bench tonight. Uh, it's, it, like, we're, we're defensively thin. So, having somebody like El Mohamedy um, that can come in, and even if he can make the bench, I think that would be fantastic. It would be great for, for kind of peace of mind for Dean Smith because last thing you want is, I know they had the um, had the kid, uh, oh, Jesus, his name, Ken. Hayden Kessler, I think his name is. They had him on the bench against, uh, yeah, against Everton. But like, you don't really want to throw him in for the last twenty minutes against West Ham. Maybe when we're one nil up and stuff. And look, he could be the making of the kid. That's fine. But um, personally, I'd prefer to see us have maybe that little bit of cuteness and experience in Mohamedy there. If uh, if he can make the game on on Sunday for me, that would be fantastic. So Neil, we'll go right back to you. Who would your man of the match be? My man of the match is Ezri Kanza. Absolutely imperious, didn't put a nice. foot wrong. I loved when he turned around and he had a nice little growl at Mings in the second half. Mings uh, didn't deal with a ball and they very nearly got in for a goal. And Kanza had a bit of a clip off him as well. And and I like that this that he's a confident guy. Since he's gone in centre half, he's much more fluid in there. He's very well able to read play. Um, since he, I, I think he got a bit of a, a bit of a rollicking after the goal that wasn't a goal against um, against uh, Crystal Palace that came off Sacco's shoulder when he didn't exactly challenge in the air. Since then, he's kind of been going through players for headers and from corners, and he's just been very very solid and and very mobile. He reminds me a bit, and I'm not going to say he is, but he reminds me a bit of Joe Gomez the way that he can be mobile there in that backline. And when you play him alongside Mings. Mings looks a lot more sturdy as well, having that right-left um, kind of tandem there. So Ezri Kanza for me is, was my man of the match tonight. Okay, Danny, how about you? Uh, I think I think Kanza's a great choice. Um, I think he obviously had the better game than than Mings. I think potentially that uh, Mings did actually make a mistake, which could have cost Villa a goal, and I think that's probably what stops you from from going for him over him. I thought Rayner as well had a very good game. Uh, lucky with that chance late on as well, but I think my man of the match. Uh, oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give some praise to Jack as well. Jack Grealish had a good game, um, but I think my man of the match is Trezeguet. I just thought he worked so hard. I thought he did. I, I thought he did an incredible job as well when when Dean Smith asked Villa to kind of change their shape a bit. You know, like, recent weeks it's been Douglas Louise, hasn't it? But I, th- I think I think Trezeguet for me. Do you know he made five tackles during the game, really? which is yeah, which is crazy. Um, for, for for a man in this position, uh, so uh, uh, yeah, Trezeguet for me, Trezeguet. He, he worked hard. I think this is probably his best game in a Villa shirt, and uh, yeah, gotta gotta hand it to him. 
most important goal for Villa this season, and that and that and that strike was so sweet. And to be fair to him, like since probably since the restart, he's been actually really decent defensively. Like he's really picked up a shift there. So I'm impressed to see that uh, nonetheless from Trezeguet, but mine isn't Trezeguet. Um, I'm going to give mine to Jack Grealish and then I have a special mention, but I will go with Grealish because the thing that made this game different for me and gave me confidence that we can hold out for a one nil win um, and how important it is and with the clean sheet and everything was he was the player to continue to push the Arsenal back line to break out even if it was by himself to give players the opportunity to take a breath to create an opportunity like Keenan Davis's he Sorry, was just Jeff. that player that was there in the right time to kind of give those opportunities and to push on and it was just so nice to see that because I think we've been lacking when we're in this opportunity and we're, we just too easily crumble and kind of get into our own heads. And just for me, for those few moments, that did enough for me. But then again, a special mention to Henry Lansbury for coming on and being uh, basically that girl that Arsenal forgot about uh, with his luscious <laughs> locks. So uh, special mention to him. Um, but nonetheless, Wasn't he bold like two weeks ago? <laughs> yeah, man, the guy grows hair back in like a millisecond. It's just like, I don't know. He's a wizard. But anyways, let's kind of move on to where this leaves us, because on Sunday it is D-Day. It is the day that decides Villa's fate for next season. We stay up or we go down. It's West Ham. <laughs> Guys, I, I'm i like this is in our hands now. It's no doubt about it. We're one ahead on goal difference, of course. So now we're out of the relegation zone just on that one goal alone. Neil, I'll come to you first. Do you think we're going to stay up? Can we pull through? How are you feeling about this West Ham game? Let me know all your thoughts. Do you really? Are you really going to ask me if I think we're going to stay up? I mean, <laughs> Of course I think we're going to stay up. We're going to stay up comfortably. We're going to beat West Ham 12-0. And um, Watford are going to lose. And it's going to be a canter at the end. No, I suppose in all seriousness, um, I, think, I, I, I think the team to worry about are actually Bournemouth at the moment because we're on the same goal difference but if we don't better their results or if we don't at least get a draw against uh against west ham and bournemouth win bournemouth could leapfrog both of us so we're not out of it uh watford will be doing very well to get more than a point against uh against arsenal and uh as i say all we need to do is better bournemouth and um, and Watford's results for us to stay up. So, like, it's been a Simple. crazy day. It's, it, well, it, it, if you think about it, at five o'clock today, since, what is it, eight hours ago, nine hours ago, it's been a crazy nine hours. Because who would have thought that Watford would, would, would have lost 4 0? That number, it's that, that number four, like four goals. And I know that what Man City have scored for, against them, like, fun. I think it's been, I think it's like 50 goals to six on aver- aggregate in the last 12 games that they've played. It's been a ridiculous uh, amount of goals that Man City have scored against them. But we needed them to have that performance, and they've got nothing to play for other than trying to stake a claim for places for Champions League. You know what? You sack your manager, right, at this point. Yeah, so you, you, you deserve you what, it. You get what you deserve. You get what you deserve. Yeah. It's all, it's, you know, I, I, I have to feel for the fans as well at, at Watford, but, um, I won't be saying that next week if they stay up against us, but uh, <laughs> but you know it's <laughs> it's just it's one of those things where like yeah that that them sacking Pearson was as good as a win for Villa. Yeah, yeah. And, and oh sorry, go on Neil. No, I was I was just gonna say it's like it's a moment of madness. 
it's a moment of absolute madness. It's it's either arrogance or madness, and I don't know which one it is from from uh, Pozzo, but whatever Nigel Pearson did couldn't have been that bad for him to cut off his nose to spite his face and get rid of the guy that the players didn't exactly want gone. And there's going to be like I I don't I can't remember who it was that said it, but somebody said it recently there that you'd love if um if the 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 what you call it the like Netflix cameras were Watford this year because they would have sacked four oh, yeah. managers it would have been a great yeah. series to watch but uh, alas they weren't Game there of I think Thrones. it was Ben Fletcher and Talksport today yeah Game of Thrones yeah but um yeah we'll see Hayden Mullins yeah, who'd have thought he'd he'd be the man on top. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think Watford have won at Arsenal since 2017, and I think that was a 2-1 win. If I'm looking at this correctly, yeah, Cole. When yeah. was the last time? When was the last time we beat Arsenal at Villa Park? So, like, what the, was it the 90s or something? Was it 98 or something? Someone was saying. I can't even remember. Yes, yeah, Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah, that's what my friend my friend said to me today. Is the first time since um, parachute Santa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so like if i'm looking at the whole landscape i just i can't see arsenal losing again i i like it, it's kind of through claret and blue tinted glasses but i i can't see it and then you look at bournemouth and you look at everton everton came off a big result against sheffield united sheffield united are still going arguably for europa league that would have basically kept that in and now they don't really have a shot at it um, Everton can't move up from 11 at 11th at this point, but they can also go below Southampton for 12th. So it's going to be tight margins. Bournemouth definitely are the team that I'm most concerned about. But then again, guys, like it's kind of easy to say now, but all we really need to do to secure anything is win. Listen, I don't. We need to win. Yeah, I like. I I don't see even if Watford won. I don't see them winning by a two, three goal margin. I, I I just can't see that. Going up front, they kind of lack any sense of options right now in terms of confidence too. It just it doesn't seem to be clucking for them. And I think this all stems from Danny. I'll come to you next. I don't know how the hell we've gotten out of this. Like I still don't. We haven't gotten out of it yet. We just we just happen to be. I think that table lies just a little bit. I think the table does does lie just a little bit because. You know, as um, Bournemouth, Bournemouth have a fairly easy game end of the season, as you say. I mean, I guess so do we as well. But uh, the fact that we're here now, it's like, how? Um, because nothing, having watched Villa since the return from lockdown, nothing pre-Crystal Palace um, tells you that Villa go ahead and get seven points from three games. Nothing yeah. tells you that Villa are going to do that. I know what it so, is, Danny. I know what it is. It's because we have Neil on here, and it's the luck of the Irish. <laughs> Didn't want to have to break it, break it to you guys, but that's exactly what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so bringing Conor Howran back into the midfield. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think it's good. I think it's good to see. I think I think what's happened is, I think I think it's just, I, th- I think the enormity of the occasion has hit the players now, isn't it? There's definitely been a lot more fight from him in the last couple of weeks, but you want to see that fight a little bit earlier. But um, yeah, that win over Palace just takes off so much pressure. Just it kind of just keep, makes them believe they can they can do something again. And yeah, we capitulated against Everton, but we didn't capitulate to lose two one. You know, <laughs> so um, there's certainly some differences there. And I think also the fact that there's a few more players getting game time there. You know, your Conzers, your Horses have been playing well. 
you know, Trezeguet as well, who probably wasn't getting loads of game time beforehand, um, is, 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 is was given a chance as well. I think I think a lot of your out of form players from before lockdown just just aren't in the team essentially. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm just gonna read through a quick few Twitter um, comments because there's quite a few of them and I always say that I'll read them out and I always forget so I don't want to be that person again but we'll go for uh, maybe three or four of them Uh, the first one going to Colin Franklin or sorry Colin Franklin Colin Frederick sorry Colin Um, he's saying he's happy stressed terrified optimistically pessimistic confident and ready to cry bring on Sunday Um, let's go to Trevor Rolfs he says King Trez can't believe that's the same player from 2019 hope we don't find a way to blow it on sunday um let's go to well just says dad's army so whatever that means um it's who wants it most and after that i feel confident villa are hungry to stay where they are um and i think the last one we'll go with is uh helen g she says this is massive uh pressure is on watford although i think i'm going to edge uh, to be on edge until sunday evening so thank you very much uh, for tweeting us of course you can tweet us at 7500 to holt neil i'll come to you next before we wrap this up uh give me your score prediction for west ham on sunday soar i think it's gonna be another one nil uh yeah why not why not one nil keenan davis and we carry him on our show on on uh our shoulders out of uh, the olympic stadium and we stay up in the premier league and he becomes a whole end hero for the rest of his life why not why okay not? so if if that happens i will e transfer you or wire you money <laughs> but i will take it <laughs> <laughs> uh danny how about yourself Sure, West Ham score goals, you know. They they can score goals. I think that's what worries me. Uh, do I think they're going to score against us? I mean, maybe. Um, Michel Antonio has been ridiculous as of late. I don't know what's gotten into him, but he's been playing in this main striker role, and he's and he's he's absolutely killing it. Um, tough midfield, Noble, Rice, Sushek. I that's think it's going to. got to come from? Sushek, I, 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 I would be worried about Sushek. Uh, he's got a couple of goals at the back post, and um, yeah, they seem yeah. to be good from good from set piece deliveries. So that is something to, to to kind of worry about, I think. Do you know what it is with West Ham? For large parts of the season, this has looked like a team which has just been kind of slapped together with a lot of cash, right? Football manager spending spree type thing. But it almost seems as though they're kind of playing with a little bit more confidence together now. And you don't, I think, I think the thing with West Ham is you don't look at players individually and think, yep, he's a weakness to you. There's nobody there where you look at and you go, right, he's the guy you target. They've got a lot of top players in that team. They really do. Even, even the fact that they were able to bring in, bring on Sebastian Haller, Balbuena and Yarmolenko against West Ham. That's ridiculous. Those are three players who in their own right will believe that they're Champions League standard. But Villa needs to turn up and I'm going to give it a 2-1 win. I will take that all day long. And like when I look at Watford's result or Watford West Ham, Jesus, I'm all over the place today. Um, if I go all the way back to July 1st, uh, 3-2 to um, win over Chelsea. They drew 2-all against Newcastle. Uh, lost 1-0 to Burnley. Of course, they smashed Norwich 4-0, but I don't read much into that. Um, and, of course, they recently beat Watford 3-1. I think a lot of things for West Ham is going to tell tomorrow what kind of mindset they're in because they play Man United. So I think that's going to 
tell a lot for Villa because, of course, I think their goal difference is like 13 better than ours. So you'd have to say they're safe unless somehow they lose like, I don't know, 12 nil to United. I just think uh, tomorrow's going to. Yeah, but I well, they're not going to lose that much, but it's going to show basically if they're kind of already on vacation in their heads because you'd have to say they're they're more than safe. Like there there is no chance in hell that they're going to concede 13 goals in the last two games. Um, actually, it'd have to be more than that, probably. So I, I just can't see it. So anyways, I will go with a uh, I'll go with a one niller as well. I'll take another clean sheet. Why the hell not? Um Maybe Trezeguet to score again. I don't know. But I'll go 1-0. Well, but, fair play. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, my, my only worry is that there's a lot of big, strong players there. I can see us conceding from a set piece. I also just think their wingers are so dangerous as well. Jared Bowen, Fornal, Yarmolenko. Moisey's got them playing a little bit of football now. And I think that's the, that's the worrying thing. And he's going he's gonna to tell them to keep on playing it. But I think you're right. Look, I think, I think West Ham, to be honest for large parts of this season, have shown a lot of mental fragility because it is a lot of just really expensive players who probably want to be somewhere somewhere better. Um, yeah, let's just hope that, that, they, that they don't turn up, basically. Yeah, no, I just hear something cool. Go yeah, on, Neil. Sure. If, if you look at the statistics over the course of the year, Villas and uh, West Ham statistics, now I'll be at West Ham after playing another game against United. If you look at them, per match, if you average it out, they are almost identical identical to each other they average one goal per game 11 uh, west ham average 11 shots phil average 12 shots they average two yellow cards five corners 11 fouls per game two offsides per game they average 45 percent for west ham 46 percent for villa possession their past success rate is 75 percent for west ham 77 percent for villa it's ridiculous how absolutely even these two teams look on what they average Per, per game over the course of the season. It's all because they were the same so, shirt colour. Yeah, so now, um, you're, yeah. Neil, you're basically saying it's going to be nil-nil. <laughs> well, if, if, I, I, if if it's nil-nil and the other two teams lose, that's for our, our draw, then it's fantastic no, for us too. So what, that's what we're both, we're all talking about wins. But what, what most likely will happen is we'll play out a drab nil-nil draw. Um, Watford will draw one-all and, and Bournemouth will draw one-all with Everton. And then we'll be absolutely dancing in the streets. After a crappy nil all draw. We need a win. We need a win. Yeah, I we think need to win. win. Yeah. You know what, funnily enough, right? Funnily enough, right? I do believe that Villa being in the relegation zone is what gets that well, is, is what influences the win over Arsenal. Because if Villa if Villa yeah, are seventeen, right, they go into that they they go into that game thinking, Oh, it doesn't matter. I was going going into the last game of the season. Do you know what I mean? Um we've still got that game. But I, I think the desperation, the desperation hit for Villa against Arsenal. Will that same desperation be there against West Ham? I bloody hope so, because because I, I tell you what, Watford will turn up be. against Arsenal, and Bournemouth are going to turn up to, against Everton, a hundred percent. We ha- we have to win that game. I and I, I wholeheartedly believe that one of those two teams is going to win. I'm nervous all over again. But anyways, guys, let's wrap it up there. We've been going for around forty odd minutes, so. 
Thank you very much to both Neil and Danny for joining me today. Of course, if you want to find Neil, I'll get his Twitter handle correct this time since it's changed and it's much simpler. It's at Love McGrath Pod. Simple as that. Of course, if you want to find Danny, it's at Rouse Journal. Find me on Twitter at Talk Aston Villa. Of course, tweet us at 7500 to Holt. If you want to email us, it's HoltCastPod at gmail.com. And all together, we make up the HoltCast. It's coming down to the nitty gritty. It's the final day. It's what everyone, I guess, some what sadistically wanted uh, Villa are going to probably leave it late but nonetheless up the Villa 